This is the Bookworm, presented to you in association with Starburst magazine, and uh, you're listening to FabRadioInternational.com. I'm your host, Ed Fortune, and I'm here with the lovely producer, Al. Hello! Um, everyone else is away on adventures. Or I'm being a, horribly ill. I have a celestial or terrestrial, I was going to say. But uh, yes, get well soon to Ninfa, um, who is um, not terribly well today. Um, so today's going to be a bit of a small press day. Oh, small press. Small press. Small press. Uh, we will be having a look at some of the stuff that Fox Spirit produce. Ooh. Uh, I have to be very careful when I talk about Fox Spirit <laughs> for, for reasons we'll go into. Um, and we'll also... Um, be covering the output of Dead Canary Comics because they sent us an absolute pile of stuff and we were delighted so ah. we thought we'd take a look at everything okay. um, we also have an interview with Trevor Hoyt um, he's got a book out called The Last Gasp he's also quite well known for stuff that he's done for Black St- Blake 7 in the past Ooh, and all Blake sorts 7. of other fun sci-fi stuff so he's a he's a name that you'll recognise if you're a certain sort of sci-fi fan uh, and also the usual nonsense so coming up next we'll be doing some book news First up, uh, Harper Lee has passed away at the age of 89. Uh, she's best known to, for her book To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not quite genre book news, but it's relevant book news just in general. Um, 89 is a very good run. Um, yes. She uh, produced another book the other year, which was a sort of prequel. Go set of Watchmen. Yes. Um, appears to have suffered somewhat poor health the last few years. There was some controversy surrounding that and the release of the prequel at the time, I seem to recall. Yeah, but basically she died of old, mm. is, is the short version. Um, also, at the same time, uh, pretty much at the same time, not exactly mm. at the same time, synchronise it. Um, but celebrated Italian intellectual Umberto Eco, which we all know for writing the novel The Name of the Rose, amongst others, um, has died at the age of 84. Is that the one that they made into a film with Sean Connery? Yes. Ah. It's the one where you get to see. Yes. Now, what's he called? Chap from Pump the Volume. Christian Slater. Slater. Mm. Uh, you get to see his bottom, as mm. you recall. Mm. Mm. In, uh, in, in anyway, 2016 needs to stop now. Well, I was I was browsing Ansible, which is a, a wonderful uh, site produced by David Langford, and Ansible comes out every month. And there's a there's a uh, an obituary section, and it's quite long. <laughs> And it continues to be quite long. I'm not saying that I only read Ansible for the obituaries, but it is the, you know, it is a substantial section there. So it's quite, um... On to more cheerful news, uh, the Evening Standard has launched uh, the Oscars' first book prize of 2016 and is inviting UK publishers to submit entries. The, the prize is £5,000, it's sponsored by Waitrose, and it'll be awarded for the best first book for children aged five or under, published in 2015. Why is it called Oscars' first book? Um, the prize, now it's third year, was set up in the memory of Oscar Ash 
Ashton, the son of Evening Standard columnist James Ashton, who was three and a half when he died from an undetected heart condition in 2012. Oh my God. Um, The judges include Princess Beatrice of York, um, Rebecca Nicholson of Short Books, Nicky Dunn of the Hayward Hill Books, and uh, Rupert Thomas, the marketing director of Retros, as well as um, Oscar's parents. So, so that's why it's called the Oscar, Oscar's first book. That's an interesting prize. I kind of I like that that prize exists, though. Obviously, its origin is very sad. Uh, let's see. What? Ooh, have you heard about the Stephen Kings? There's more than one of them. What? Sort of. There's a thing with Amazon where um, it's not very hard to duplicate an author at the moment, where the, the way it's currently built. So you've got a you've got a book you call yourself Stephen King, right? Um, you cut and paste the Stephen King Alford bio, right? You pop your book on for for ninety nine cents, okay? You wait for Amazon to remove you, right? Um, and yet, whilst you're waiting for Amazon to remove you, you make some dollar. Yes, because people go, oh my god, it's a new Stephen King thing for only ninety nine cents. I will buy it. Clickety click. And then, and then it vanishes. So th- there's a thing that's apparently being looked into. Well, t- but... but mm. Talking about Amazon. But the thing is, if you're... Uh, I mean, are we saying that it's somebody whose name isn't Stephen King and they're pretending that it is to, to yeah, piggyback that, the back that, of it? That, that, okay, that's, so that's exactly the... the so the what if your name genuinely is Stephen King? Are you supposed to publish under a pseudonym? You just have a different author bio. Ah, okay. So this is the fact that they've nicked the author bio info and stuff. Yes. Right, okay, I see. And, and I have seen stuff that says, you know, by George Martin, not that one. Yeah. Uh, and so on. You know, you get Jonathan Green and John Green, you know. Oh, yeah, there's millions of the people. It, it, it's, it's one of those... Uh, um, <laughs> um, I, I'm always... I, I, I'm always... You know, when the, the guy who wrote Cloud Atlas is not the guy who appears on Peep Show, for example. David Mitchell is a. There's plenty of David Mitchells out there, but there's only one of them who wrote Cloud Atlas. Talking of Amazon, by the by, um, there is this kind of a bit off the, the book news side of things, but I think we've already, already headed towards that direction anyway. So Amazon have this uh, web development area, not web mm. development, video game a development thing, like Unity, like a thing, a set of tools that you can use to build games. Okay. Called uh, Lumberyard. Um, and the terms state that Lumberyard is not to be used with drones, medical equipment, nuclear facilities, manned spacecraft, or alive military combat uh, in normal times. But they have a special exception. Uh, the restriction will not apply in events of the occurrence certified by the United States Centers for Disease Control or a successor body of widespread viral infection transmitted via bites or contact with body, bodily fluids that cause human human corpses to reanimate and seek to consume living living human flesh, blood, brain or nerve tissue and is allowed to result in the fall of organised civilization. So if you design a video game... Yeah, so you can't design it if if you're on the way to the International Space Station and less, th- and less zombies. Yeah, basically. If you design a video game that allows you to control a drone, right. that's not allowed. Right. But unless zombies. Unless zombies. So in the circumstances of zombies, you are allowed to use Amazon's video game development tools. Well, that's to save that's mankind. that's that's a reassurance because that's going to be you know uppermost in my thoughts at the time. That's very fair. Hey, let me just let me just develop an app. I, I have a feeling that these might be blue M and M's. That these this these particular bits of terms and conditions are in there to make sure that you've read the terms and conditions. <laughs> because I'm guessing, and I haven't looked, but I'm guessing the terms and conditions are probably about the length of the Bible. Probably. 
Uh, and you know who has the time? No one, not even the lawyers who wrote it. So, so obviously because because there's because there's a zombie zombie apocalypse rules in there. So. To be fair, he's a very full lawyer who was who was earned there two hundred and fifty dollars an hour or whatever they charged. Well, apparently there is a mortgage company that will that will remain nameless at this point, but I have been led to believe that there was a mortgage company. He will remain nameless. Um, his contracts were written up by a not terribly re- well-known genre author. He <laughs> um, was very bored. Right. And there's lots of little sub-clauses that you can add on the system. Right. While you're building, depending depending on whether, you know, your house is on a mountain or if your house is near a need to mine search and yeah, this yeah. sort of thing. To basically mean that they can they can ask for their money at any point should they feel like it. Some of the sub-clauses that are available on the menu yeah. include... Um, Please be aware that this building contains uh, is strong on the dark side. Oh, you fo- you've told me about this before. Should you follow this path uh, forever, the dark side will follow your path. Um, th- this this house is a, has a gate to hell in the basement, <laughs> and so on. There's, there's a collection of just random things. Well, one- my friend is my friend Sam is absolutely convinced that there is some sort of back cave underneath my patio in my back garden. Because because when I first moved in, he came around and gave me a hand to, to move stuff around, um, and I like, ended up somehow hitting my patio with a lump hammer and like apparently it made really strange echoey sounds as if there may be some sort of chamber underneath there excellent it's possible or you know just a sewage pipe <laughs> but, but the back cave is so much cooler for back cave is so, so much cooler for you see now I want to mention Colin Furs and the fact that he got Sky to somehow build himself a bunker but this is not book yard. news we should get back book to book news, news. Um, so the British science fiction awards now the question, the question remains you know will Amazon do do it its delivery service in the event of a zombie apocalypse. Can you will you still be able to buy you know books by any Stephen King? That's a good. That's a very good point. You probably will want a good read. You might not want to read Stephen King during the end of the world. Possibly not. Though it might, it might give you a chance to actually read The Stand. <laughs> uh, Although you know if their drone delivery service is, is up to speed by then. But surely you'd be like, I will go on Amazon. I order these high explosives. I want to deliver it to this horde of zombies. <laughs> Amazon's aware that you need to pay for the drone as well if this will not return from the Jenny. Yes. <laughs> Which is the one thing that Waterstones similar service can't do, obviously. Because Waterstones, of course, are training owls. Obviously. Um, a brilliant piece of PR response from them, to be quite honest. Uh, this is a few yeah. Whoever is doing the Waterstones Twitter feed is, is is a genius. This is a few years ago when Amazon announced that they were developing drones, and it was a few years off from their development of drone delivery service. Um, Waterstones announced that they were going to train owls to deliver books as well, because their development was also a few years off. So, uh, so there we go. Um, Anyway, book news. Uh, the British Science Fiction Association uh, is extremely pleased to announce that it has a shortlist. Um, if you voted for, if you nominated anything from the, the BSFA, um, well done. Uh, let's see, what have we got here? So, um, the best novel, we've got uh, Dave Hutchison's Europe at Midnight by Solaris. I didn't like it. Oh, <laughs> controversial. Uh, Chris Beckett's Mother of Eden uh, on Cor- Corvus books. Uh, Elliot de Boudard, The House of Shattered Wings by Gollans. It's a brilliant book. Um, Ian MacDonald's Luna, The New Moon. Uh, Justina Robinson's Glorious in- uh, Angels, those last two also on Gollans. Uh, best short story, Elliot de Boudard's Three Cups of Grief. Um 
Paul Connell's Witches of Litchfield, Jeff No Jeff Noon's No Res, which appeared in a copy of Interzone, and Nendi uh, uh, Nidi Okafor Okafor I got that wrong. Probably uh, Binti on Toilet.com and Gareth L. Powell Ride the Blue Horse. Um, of those, I'm actually most interested in the Jeff Noon because it's the one I've read. Um, best non- non-fiction includes um, timepieces, Doctor Change or Doctor Die, um, <laughs> Letters to <laughs> Tip Tree, What Price of Critical Agency, uh, Raven Let Die, uh, and From Annihilation to Acceptance, a Writer's Surreal Journey. Um, people who are up for winning best artwork include Jim Burns for his cover of Pelican's Comet, Vincent, Vincent Sammy for Songbird, and Sarah Ann Langton for the cover of Jews vs. Zombies, which was produced on uh, Jurassic London. Oddly enough, I'll be coming up to Sarah Ann Langford in a moment because she has written a short story about two of you. So there you go. Whilst we're talking about awards. Oh, uh, the Fab Radio uh, International.com is having the Fab Listener Awards. How do you vote for a Fab Listener Award? Uh, voting will open in April, um, and there's generally a link on the website at that time. We will be spamming you roughly at the time, depending, <laughs> on what the sh- uh, depending on what the show's for. Please vote for us. Please, please, please vote for us. And depending on what the show's friends. called at that point. Tell all your friends, because, you know, we get a free beer out of it, short version. Um, and last year we got a certificate, and this year we want a little trophy thing. We want, yeah, we got a certificate last year. Um, was it for cycling? Um, it was for the, for you being um, some sort of whispering oh, Bob yeah, Harris it, thing. It was. It was the this a- year. I'd like something I can actually put on my LinkedIn. It was the AS- It was the because AS- <laughs> I can't put that on my LinkedIn. It was the ASMR award, wasn't it? Yes. Hello, <laughs> ASMR listeners. Please vote for us. <laughs> Please vote for us. <laughs> we'll uh, bring the sexy Italian woman back. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, um, get well soon, Ninfa. Uh, nominations are also open for the uh, Down Under Fan Fund. Um, Is that Australian made? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and that accent wasn't no- terrible. Nominations for people to, uh, f- from delegates from Australia and New Zealand to travel to Kansas City, Missouri for the uh, World Science Fiction Convention. Is that delegates? Because that sounded like delegates. I said delegates. Is, okay, but it sounded like delegates because of your accent. Oh, okay. Which was like, I was going things you put in the laundry what uh, no basically the Duff is a fan is a fund uh, that sends someone from the other side of the world to America Ooh. because Worldcon is not in the world Worldcon is mostly it's, in North America like, yeah yeah is, this, is it sponsored by the, the world newspaper uh, yeah, sorry the, the, that's the gag isn't it yes. it's sponsored by the world newspaper no mm. it's just that it's been held by the Americans for so long that they, they refuse to let go. Um, I brought from Helsinki in 2017. Yes, Helsinki in 2017 will be there, as should you. I think we're about to run out of boot news. Oh, good, because we're, we're over schedule. Oh, excellent. Um, so, coming up next, ebook review. So, uh, previously on the show, we've talked about the output from Fox Spirit Books. If you don't know who these guys are, uh, Fox Spirit is um, a small press publisher, um, and the marvellous uh, anti-Fox has a team of authors. One of the, thing, one of the things about Fox Spirit is they're very um, inclusive. They're, they're kind of, you know, it, it, it's a good 
place with small press offers and offers who are trying to to build their reputation and are willing to work hard to, to get into it's, it's a good opening spot there's quite a few small presses out there but because folk, folk spirit work very hard at being selective with the quality and also look and look at everything they can get their hands on um, you end up with some really good stuff so in the past we've talked about European monsters that Fox Spirit have done and we've also talked about Breed um, which was up for various awards um, uh, uh, last, just last year uh-huh. last year so um I've got my hand Fox Spirit Anthology Fox Pocket Anthology 6 Things in the Dark now I have a com- shall I make my confession yes okay I have a confession to make the next one of these Fox Spirit Book 7 um is called In an Unknown Country and I wrote a short story in there and Ooh. somehow they published it I'm not reviewing that for obvious reasons I've read it all the other short stories is story- it great <laughs> All the other short stories are amazing, and I really like them, and I really rate all the authors in there. There's some fantastic authors in there. It's why I submitted the story to Fox Spirit in the first place, because I really rate them. Um, and obviously, as an author, you should be picky when you're submitting your stuff as well. Um, I'm not in this one. Mm. I'm going to review it. This anyway. is number six. This is number six. I'm going to review this because it's great, and I really liked it. Um so you know that bias put to one side i'm gonna have i'm gonna quickly go through what's going on firstly we've got a cover from sarah ann langton who as we said previously in the news is up for um a bfs a bsfa award um possibly she's been nominated so we'll see she does these gloriously kind of abstract covers um and sarah's sarah's remarkably talented she also has a short story in here so let's go through what we've got firstly we've got the devil the devil's hemorrhoids by chloe Yates. Uh, the devil's hemorrhoids is one of those kind of victorian adventurous explorer stories it's wonderfully gross uh, i enjoyed its pieces um then we get sarah Carkwell doing things now sarah's better known for her space marines and the sort of thing her space marines and her sci-fi she's she's dipped into a bit of fantasy uh we quite like tales of none dragon which is also another fox spirit story things is just a story about someone who has things under the bed can't seem to get rid of those things okay it's, it's a great little creepy story oh. um the resident hunters this is why this is why you should never put your leg out of the bed because of monsters yeah because of monsters this is very it's very good advice mm. duvets are protective we don't what? Know, we're not entirely sure what from them we don't want to protect you one of the things I like about Sarah's writing is she has basically she's, she's very talented in terms of various modes but the mode I really enjoy is when she's just telling you a shaggy dog story and you can just see this person just going on and kind of tapping their nose and being wise about this shaggy this total nonsense they're telling you as if it's the greatest secret that you know, that they ever know and that you shall ever learn um, The Rise of the Huntress Andrew Reid I found to be to be honest kind of a fairly standard fantasy story it also felt to me like someone's bigger project one, one of the things with Fox Spirits is a lot of these seem to be well worked ideas where an author's gone along and gone I've got a really good idea for a story but I just want to do something short so I can beat out the idea so I'd, I'd be stunned if some of these stories from the Fox Spirits uh, series don't end up being people's books or people's novellas um, a boomstick and, and some popcorn seasoning uh, Jennifer L. Bond is a bit of a Buffy adventure basically it's a vampire and vampire action with a bit of evil dead thrown in for fun uh, I liked it it's fun it's short it's sweet it's funny uh, it's clearly you know author's own character 
awful intensity to do more of this character at some point and we can't wait um, Junior Twilight Stock Replacers sort of the reason why I love these little collections and I love little short story anthologies uh, in Junior, Ju- Junior Twilight Stock Replacer it's just one of those little creepy short stories um talking of creepy little short stories Shellop Headlines the Ox is a story about dis- despair drug abuse and spiders oh and punk rock that sounds cheery um, or not I read it before going to bed it was a bad idea yeah don't do that very bad idea great story gave me nightmares can't think of a better recommendation <laughs> Uh, Sarah Ann Langton, who did the cover, also wrote a book called, uh, wrote a short story called Welcome to the Northern Line. She likes writing stories about the tube. Um, it's quite fun. It's quite fun. It's a little bit too short for my tastes. Um, let's see. Uh, Down by the River and Running from Sleep were also gloriously creepy. Smile by Danny Ware. Danny Ware, you might know better for the Echo Rising series. Um, spooky nicely spooky one of the things about this particular collection is it is full of little spooky shorts that i really liked and really rated so is that kind of the overall theme of that one well the overall theme is things in the dark ah hence yes, the title yeah, yeah, yeah. um uh, jenny barber gave us in the dark streaming again quite a fun little not safe fun quite a little creepy little short uh james james fadley who i've worked with in the past um wrote us a shark story about sharks about a man who has a grudge against sharks that never ends well can I just say going off on a complete tangent for a minute that the cover of that is very reminiscent of um, I sort of want to say 70s 80s classic penguin covers yes it is mm. it's, it's that kind of that kind of cl- that, that kind of lovely abstract mm. but just that all the way it's set out it's that kind of lovely abstract. Do you know what? If it was slightly creepier, it would be a, it would be a scarf. Or oh god, it's got an eye on it. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> Forgotten you had to think about eyes. <laughs> but again, that's that's why because they're creepy. It's either an eye or a spider, really, isn't it? If you want to, it's got oh, a skull really on there as well, and it's also got a fox. I've just noticed they all have foxes on them. Hey. It's almost like that's a blanding thing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Where was I? Um, yes, uh, Dan Patrick has thrown a story in here, as says Marguerite Hilodocia, um both of whom are authors we've talked about in the past. We should really do this thing where we practice how you pronounce authors' names before you start the show. Um, I'm that's just saying. True. Thomas Hobbes versus the Mole People, I really enjoyed it, it was really fun. Um, this story called Just Close Your Eyes by Ben Stewart. Um, See You in the Morning by, by Ronnie Sinclair. Sorry, when we say Ben Stewart. Are we talking friend of the show, Ben Stewart? We're talking friend of the show, Ben Stewart. Ah. Um, and it ends with a wonderful story uh, by Katie Lately. Uh, we really like Katie Lately. We've talked about her work as well. Uh, the Ransom of the Red Witch. So, by quickly going through, because it's only a wee book, by quickly going through that, what, the point I'm trying to make about Things in the Dark, is it... How much is it? Is it about ten? Um, is it cheap and cheerful? Um, a collection of short stories that you can cheerfully read on the train or on the bus. Um, they're of the size, they are po- literally pocket editions. I, I dare you to find a jacket pocket that this will not fit into. Um, this one has become immediately dog-eared because it's me and I'm terrible with books. I have a confession, mate. I am, I am someone who professionally talks about books and my goodness, do I not look after them sometimes. I'm sorry, I'm probably going to some sort of hell. Uh, probably the same sort of play in the pal as people who talk in cinemas, to be honest. Those people do need to be taken out and shot. They they do, and I dog earbooks, which is nice. <laughs> but yes, is it good? Yes. Or is the, the, is the Fox Pocket series in general very good? Yes. 
Um, do they have the old clunkers? Yeah, because I've got a short story on one of them, so yeah, sorry about that. Um, but the rest of it is very fine. Um, also, one of the things I, I like about this sort of thing is it's a good place... If you've been oh, working, it's not, hard, it's not even ten. It's five pound ninety nine. It's five pound ninety nine. Mm. If you've been and that's wor- the actual book. That's the actual physical book rather than ebook. If you've been working quite hard to kind of get some recognition and you're just pumping out stories, have a look at the Focus Spirit website. They're one of those ones where you know if you can get on and you can get involved, then it's a good place to to start making your name, which is something that you need to do if you want to start telling stories. Um, so yes, delightfully creepy. Uh, I had a lot of fun with that, and um, thank you for everyone in the Skulk who wrote that. I think we've got another item coming up next. This is Fab Radio International. International. Across the world. 24 hours a day. This is Fab Radio International. So I was very lucky to have a conversation with Trevor Hoyle. Um, and that interview is coming up next. This is Fab Radio International. International. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Trevor Hoyle, welcome to the Book Web. Thank you, Ed. Nice to be here. Um, so tell us about The Last Gasp, please. Uh, the Last Gasp is, uh, I prefer to use the word uh, speculative fiction rather than science fiction, although it's said in the future. Uh, as the title probably tells you right away, uh, the main premise of the book is of due to pollution and CO2 and other environmental factors in the novel um, the oxygen content of the atmosphere starts to decrease and you can rapidly imagine what effect this has on normal living conditions uh, that is in many cases akin to living uh, eight, eight or nine thousand feet on the side of a mountain so people are literally walking around gasping for breath and the novel opens in 2016 this year but then it projects itself to uh, 42 years into the future and uh, it, it charts progressively how the planet deteriorates during that period and how mankind copes or tries to cope with that problem so that's that's the basic premise of it where did this idea come from um <laughs> I could, it would probably take me about two hours to answer that uh, fully but uh the genesis of the novel um the original book came out in 1983 so that's over 30 years ago and what the Last Gast, a new edition from Quirkus, which comes out on April 7th. That is uh, a complete reworking and updating of that original book. So back in the late 70s, um, I was working with an editor called Nick Austin, uh, who, who I'd done some science fiction with. And it was during a conversation uh, with him 
having a couple of whiskies late at night and um, the idea for this the, the, the atmosphere being denuded of oxygen came up and he said does it appeal to you does, does the idea attract you and I, and I said well I have to think about it and so I did and then I spent three and a half years researching uh, the book talking to a lot of scientists I live in the north of England so I, I went to the University of Manchester back in the early 80s and uh, really pick, pick their brains because I'm not a I'm not scientifically trained um, and use that research in the book so the original book took three and a half years the new version 30 odd years on um, took another almost three years so I've spent over six years of my life uh, on this uh, on this book and um, well it's 750 pages so you can see that uh, there's a lot of work gone into it so that's, that's really how it came about originally how has the passage of time changed the novel uh, amazingly when I, I was asked to update this book back in the 1990s in fact by Nick Austin the, the man who I originally talked to and he said um, th this is the previous edition the previous version different from the one that's coming out in April and to my amazement, and this is quite genuine, I was surprised how little of the scientific background I had to change. Uh, society had moved on. Um, for example, in the new book, in the new version, um, I had to introduce mobile phones because in the original, mobile phones were simply not known. They were, they were not used. Um, also, in the original book, it was still the Soviet Union. It wasn't the Russian Federation. And there, there are a lot of politics in, in the book as well. It's set mainly in America, uh, some in the UK, some in Russia. So it, it, it travels around the world. So there were major issues such as um, the fall of the Soviet Union and mo mobile phones and the, the whole Internet thing had to be reintroduced. But surprisingly to me the actual basic science of we're polluting not only the oceans and the atmosphere um, remained pretty well 99% as I'd originally written it all those years ago How different is this from your Q series books? Oh, the Q series is science fiction um, that, that those came out in the 1970s and again I'm going back to Nick Austin because he commissioned those uh, that trilogy from me and the Q series actually is uh, I was a debt to my passion uh, about quantum mechanics um, I, I was taught physics at school and, and hated it but when when I left school uh, many years ago I read all the popular science books and the physics and particularly um, cosmology and quantum mechanics became an absolute uh, well, passion, really, that's the best word. So the Q series is founded on the very bizarre ideas, and if you know anything about quantum physics, you'll know how weird it really is. Um, so I wanted to transmute that fascination into fiction. So, that, so the Q series is science fiction, whereas The Last Gasp, as I said, um, I, I prefer the term speculative rather than SF. Why Why the distinction? 
Well, in, in my writing, you mean? Or why, why the distinction between speculative and science fiction? Yeah. Why do we need this? I think the problem is, is when, I'm, when I'm introduced to anyone, they say, oh, what do you write? And, I mean, I've, I've, I write mainstream novels, I've written thrillers, I've written pretty well everything apart from romance, but as soon as I mention I write science fiction, you get a very stark reaction because people either love it or hate it. There's very little grey area in between. But most people think of science fiction, they think of Star Trek, they think of Star Wars, they think of um, alien cultures, spaceships, um, uh, you know, that whole area, the little green men type thing. Whereas The Last Gasp is just set, as I said, in, in a recognisable earth that we know today there are no aliens there are no zap guns um so again that's why i I choose that whereas the q series um does deal in what i call science fiction concepts my great hero um was philip k dick um to me he's the best science fiction writer ever was and i was very fortunate to meet him back in the 80s because we had the same publisher uh, Panther Books in the UK and when I went to California on holiday uh, I got to meet Philip K. Dick Um, and again he to me he's he's a pure science fiction writer so that that's why I make the distinction between that and and the latest novel does that answer the question oh absolutely Um, I I was going to actually ask um, What's next? What is your next big project? You've spent six years on this. Where are you going to go next? Um, well, I do have a couple of couple of uh, ideas. Again, they're not uh, science fiction. But I think really the, the not the problem, but what the tra- trajectory my career has followed is a lot of writers. They write a detective novel or a thriller or science fiction and then they kind of stick to that genre if you look back if you look at my website uh, com, you'll see I've written pretty well as I mentioned before pretty well every type of novel going because I think I'd, I would get bored really just writing you know the same writing writing in the same genre uh, so the two ideas I've got are totally unrelated one's a World War II thriller well, it's a factual book actually, but um, it's 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 fictional if if that makes any sense. What uh, what I'd like to do is, is write a book that people assume to be factual and put photographs in it and plans and maps, but in fact it's a work <laughs> of fiction. Um, so that's one idea I'm, I'm toying with, and the other is really, I suppose, a, a political novel in the sense that it's about. UK in the future as a as a um, a fascist state, which I think uh, we're in danger of, of becoming if, if if we haven't achieved that already. So you can see those two ideas are totally dissimilar, and also dissimilar to uh, the. Dystopia seems to be a thing that's very popular right now. I can't move for dystopia books coming mm. to the Starburst offices. Um, why is that? Do you think? Um. Well, it has been, it, it may be coming into fashion now, but it, it's been, I mean, I've, I've been writing dystopia fiction for about 30, 30 odd years. Um, I think really, 
you've only got to have a half a brain to look out at the world and see what a bloody dreadful state it's in um, the, the, the environment obviously being one major um, aspect of this but just to, just look at the political mess all over the world um, and it, it's you can't fail but to have a dystopian view of, of things because that's simply the way we're heading I mean I'm old enough to remember going back to the late 50s early 60s um, that there really there was a, a, a real feeling I don't know how, how old you are Ed you're, you're probably a lot younger than me but there was a real feeling of of optimism and uh, looking forward to a, a new future, a bright future. You know, I'm not, I'm not inventing this. I'm not making this up. This is how you felt. This is how, and I was a young person at that time. This is how people felt. Well, that probably young pe people now do feel that like teenagers, but that lovely optimism, that golden dawn that we were kind of looking forward to, genuinely. I think that's vanished because you've only got to look around you, as I say, to, to see a, almost a horror story evolving. And obviously, writers, what writers are, if they're any good, is they're kind of weather vanes and they pick up signals five or ten years before anyone else because they're attuned to, to it. I'm not saying other people don't get the same vibe, but... Writers write about it. That's what writers, writers of fiction do. If they're any good, they're kind of ahead of the curve, and the, the, the coming, the, the, the sense changes uh, before, let's say, the general population does. And then, if they're any good, they, they kind of write about it. And uh, just yeah. some uh, silly questions to finish yeah. off, really. Yeah. Um, firstly, uh, if you were able to rescue one book that would survive until the sun went out, what would that one book be? Oh, God, that's <laughs> that's a real curveball. Let me think. Uh, select one one book. Um, well, I'm, I'm, you see, I've got certain I've got certain uh, hero authors as heroes, people like Graham Greene um, and George Orwell. Um, as I've mentioned, Philip K. Dick. All these are. Uh, heroes of mine um, but picking cho choosing one book you know I really can't think of, of a single one but any of a book by any of those authors um, I would I would take with me to the desert island if that's the if that answers the question three oh that, that's fine three very silly quick fire questions um, firstly Simpsons or Futurama uh, I'm not familiar with Futurama, so I'd have to go for Simpsons. <laughs> um, the Man in the High Castle, or do androids dream of oh, electric sh sheep? Oh, no, that's oh, that's a tough one. That. Uh, so we're talking Blade Runner or the Man in the High. Well, um, I think I'd have to go with the Man in the High Castle because um, as I, I'd met the man himself. I met Philip Phil K. Dick, who was very. Uh, if we had time, I could tell you a great, fascinating story about the meeting, uh, which was almost out of a Philip K. Dick story. Wow. I go with the High Castle. Uh, and, and finally, um, truth or beauty? I think they're the same. You can't have one without the other. It's, it's, it's not and or. It's uh, um, truth is beauty, beauty is truth. So they're the same thing. 
Trevor Hoyle, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Ed. This is Fab Radio International. International. Across the world, 24 hours a day. Scream and learn. Um, that's a book from Dead Canary Comics. Is this the A to Z thing? This is the A to Z. <gasps> this is amazing. So we got a, a package, a care package from Dead Canary Comics. Thank you very much for for sending us some lovely, lovely things. And we thought we'd uh, quickly talk about all of these on the show, to be honest, because they're great fun. Um, we do do individual graphic novel reviews on the show every once in a while, um, but we thought we, you know, because they're a small press, we thought we'd get as many in as we could. So, did Canary do all sorts of wonderfully weird and wacky stuff? They're a, a London-based independent comic book pu- publisher. Um, Let's Play Murder, which has its own website, apparently, Let's Play Murder dot com, um, is an A to Z with two adorably psychotic children on the front cover. Um, and it's an ABC. Uh, asphyxiation, beheading, crushed, neglect, plunging, overdoses, xylophone, it's always xylophone, um, death by yoga, and so on. It's short, sweet, well, short, not so sweet. One of those fun things to give to, well, let's be honest, to give to adults and perhaps slightly darker children who are at that age where they're starting to, to stay up late and watch as many Hummer, Hammer Horror movies as they can. Um, lots of fun. Um, they also sent us the Frogman trilogy. Hmm, is, is my response to, to the Frogman trilogy. Uh, he's green, he's wet, he ain't no pet, he's Frogman! Join the amphibian adventure as he kicks, punches and shags his way through three crazy adventures. Uh, filled with action, romance, jo- jokes, puns, nerd references, and scenes of hardcore sex and violence. Yeah, it's the the hardcore sex. It's a little bit of a problem. Uh, it's fun for what it is. It's meant to be light and frothy, very very silly comic book daftness, which exactly is what it is. It's having a pop at various superhero tropes, various superhero ideas. Um, there is a wonderful moment where people are like, who is the mysterious frog man? And there's a guy wandering around with a frog head, because he's a mutant frog person. Who is this Freddy, Freddy Frog? Do you know who the mysterious frog man is? And so on. Also, he's less of a competent hero and more of a murderer, to be honest. Uh, he, he randomly leaps around trying to save people and mostly getting people killed. Um, his enemy is the tax man! Because, you know, he gets his wages and the tax man's taking all his money. So his enemy is the tax man and he hunts the tax man down at Revenue and Customs and has a, has a, has a battle with the tax man who obviously has a moustache and a shirt and tie and very nice shoes. Um, a lot of it's a lot of fun. Uh, the artwork is variable because they change artists depending on where they are. This is a compilation of all three issues so far. Um... 
there is nudity in sexy bits uh, there is sexual humour um, I know plenty of people who won't find the sexual humour as funny it's a bit of a well hey lads well hey boobs style humour yeah um flip through it first if it's not your sort of thing it's not your sort of thing um especially you know it's it's you know shagging is funny boobs are funny blah 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 but in that kind of blokey ever so slightly misogynistic way um but more than that it's, it's fun silly daft very dumb but maybe a little bit too um laddish for for some tastes Getting on to something that's slightly better, actually an awful lot better, Redden is a Wild West comic book story, a Weird West comic book story. I have a massive soft spot for stories set in the Wild Wild West where there are demons, devils and monsters and revenge. That's exactly what this is. Um, the, the team of Driver and Kirkwood, who are two bounty hunters who, who run around, you know, righting wrongs and solving crimes, come across more than they can chew. And it all ends in blood and disaster and literally bedevilment. Um, it's a sweary, hardcore taste of revenge, which is beautifully drawn, is really, really nicely done. Um, we like this quite a bit. It's, you know... <sighs> maybe the storytelling could be a little bit stronger but the the little text pieces that kind of give the atmosphere really really do set it off um and that that kind of entire vibe if you like the game deadlands or you like that sort of kind of weird west vibe redden is something that you'd quite enjoy the one that i enjoyed of all of these is uh is the fitzroy short but sweet uh, 1950s Britain the UK is covered in a poisonous gas but society struggles on confident in the belief that nothing important has really changed the Fitzroy explores, explores this world through six twisted tales of death mayhem and the finest teeth in the, Brit- the dark edges of the British Isles essentially Britain is doomed uh, in this story uh, essentially Britain is doomed it's been <laughs> um, yes uh, it's been covered in a poisonous gas Everything else is ruined. Essentially. You know what I need? I need I need some some sort of some sort of ooh. Watch for the analogy bell. Yeah. <laughs> I can just ring whenever anybody refers to this stuff. Um, and the, it starts with this wonderful letter for, to to the council, a response from the council of someone complaining about all the potholes. <laughs> Uh, and by all the puddles, they mean the massive craters that have been caused by huge war. Uh, <laughs> and there's just a story of this the, this crazy old bloke. Uh, he lives in a manor, and they've got plenty of supplies, and they can live for, for a very long time. But, you know, he, he, he reads the same old paper time and time again and all the rest of it there's a great picture here where the, the bunny rabbit's watching him clear pigeons shooting the bunny rabbit's wearing a gas mask um, there's another story of spivs there's another story of cannibalism there's a, a tale about you know someone trying to trying to get into the country uh, and and so on it's dark it's delicious it's silly it's very varied it's also very very British and there's a there's a wonderful story about someone trying to keep up with the Joneses during the during the apocalypse. <laughs> that 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 is very British and will totally happen. Yes, <laughs> they've been bombed. Why haven't we? What uh, we shall do is we shall put a link to all of this stuff and the way you can buy it on our various social media feeds uh, when we when we have tracked down that website. 
Well, that's um, all of that is on Dead Canary Comics. All of it is short but sweet. The things we enjoyed the most from what we've seen is oh, it has to be absolutely has to be the Let's Play Murder. I ABC, love that. I ABC, love that. it's so it's so beautifully illustrated. It's so very very well done as well, and also the Fitzroy we liked an awful lot as well. Um, and Redden, if you're into westerns, and Frogman, if you're into Viz, I would say Viz and superheroes. John Harris has been on Twitter again. Uh, yes, d- during the, the, the broadcast of the show, John Harris has been on doing um, hashtag 10 tweets about inspiration, um, which is mostly all about writing. I don't know if this is like a general Twitter thing. I have had a look and there doesn't appear to be anybody else tweeting with the same thing. She does start um, trends. She does start trends. Um, you can't predict when or how ideas will come to you, but you can make yourself more receptive to them. Not all ideas are big ideas. Ideas come in all sizes and small ideas often come together to make a big idea. Uh, reading is essential. You never know where your ideas um, will come from, but the process will probably entail some effort. Um, doesn't believe in the muse. Um, waiting for inspiration is like waiting to catch a train when you're still at home, in bed, in pyjamas. Getting ideas is getting up, getting ready, packing and going to the railway station. Yep, I'd agree with that. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Well, we, we like to joke about the muse, but yeah, it's not a thing. This is Fab Radio International. I've been your host, Ed Fortune. You've been listening to the book one, um, and it's goodbye for me. Bookworm is a truly outrageous production for Fab, Radio International and Starburst Magazine. Presented by Ed Fortune, produced by Anne Davis. <laughs>